we are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works. That just stayed with me the entire time. That was one of the verses that got me through when I was sick and struggling through things. And here's just some pictures of just some awesome experiences. You can go to the next slide. Um, one of my main jobs in going over there was to do art classes with the primary school. And so I started that, and it was every Saturday for an hour. Art class is definitely very different over there. The kids, they don't have that over there. They don't know how to be creative. So trying to get the kids to do it, I showed them what they were going to do, and they looked at me and said, we can't do that. There's no way that we can do that. So kind of just having to boost their confidence, and they had the most fun with it. It was just an awesome experience for me personally, and they loved it. They were super excited to come to the next class. Um, and we just did simple things like coloring and gluing and just different stuff like that, and they just absolutely loved it. Okay, you can go to the next slide. So I worked with Sheltering Wings, and as I go through the slide, you're going to see different things that Sheltering Wings is, like, structured in. This is our primary, or this is our primary school. They also have a secondary school. So the um, ladies with the big giant pots do lunch for the kids every day, and it is about 800, just the primary school. There's about 800 more of the secondary school. And so the building on the, your left is one of the primary school buildings. And then inside the classroom, they have little desks. And this is like what would be like the first grade. They're learning their alphabet. And they literally have to go on each letter and yell how to pronounce it. And like when I say yell, I mean yell. <laughs> um, so that's just the primary school. And they do lots of different things. The teachers are, it's definitely a different experience. And... Okay, next slide. So after a few art classes with the primary school and sometimes them not showing up, I was like, I don't want to have Saturdays where I don't have anything to do. So I started doing art class with our toddlers at the orphanage. And let me tell you, that was like the funnest experience ever. They made a lot of messes, <laughs> but they just smiled through the whole thing and just like being able to teach them different things that they're never going to learn in an African culture. It's just awesome. So now I'm going to go through some slides of just different things that the kids do. So our children have preschool and our taunties, which are means aunt, and they're the ladies who watch out for the kids every day. They do preschool, just like practice learning colors, learning how to count and stuff like that. So this is um, George. He's one of our, he's our oldest toddler right now. He is, I think, five. So he's just going over his numbers and just being able to hear that, like, which is awesome. And my other job in going over there was to do one-on-one -on -one time with the kids, and that was probably the most rewarding, like, job opportunity I had over there. Um, so these kids are with each other 24-7, so they never get alone time. And so just being able to um, spend time with them, teach them how to do, like, building blocks or something like that, because um, a lot of them are developmentally delayed or something like that. So I had to learn, we had to farm animals, so I had to learn how to say those in moray, which is not very easy. <laughs> and so we were learning and just having fun. And then, so the one, the little boy I'm holding on the swing he is, he was terrified. He would never get on the swing. He would never even get close to it. Um, so one day I was like, well, maybe he'll do it if I hold him and sit on it. So we started swinging. The very next day, 
he got on the swing and started swinging himself. And then, so the little boy in the top right-hand corner, his name is Jacques. He is a little boy that took me a month to be able to hold. He was so terrified of me. I had to work my way like up to being able to hold him. And since the moment I got there, I was like, this little boy is the one I want to work on the most. And so as people came, you could slowly, slowly see him like moving towards them faster. So by the end, you would have to be around him for two days and you would be able to hold him if you were new. And I just think that's awesome. His personality like just shined everywhere. He's kind of became my favorite. <laughs> okay, you can go to the next one. Um, these are just some random pictures, just because they're cute. <laughs> so one of them's going, them going to the bathroom. The other one is one of the babies fell asleep on the floor, and they didn't want to put her in the crib, so they just put a mosquito net over top of her. But, yeah, so just some cute faces. Okay, you can go to the next one. This one is my ultimate favorite slide, because who doesn't love funny faces? So this really shows, like, the kids' personalities and how much they get to bond with you. The next one is bath time. They do bath time every morning and then every night. And, like, it just amazes me how fast they can do it. And a lot of the kids scream through the entire thing because they're just getting splashed with water. It's completely different of bath time here. They just hate it and scream through the entire thing. So when you hear screaming, you know it's bath time. Okay, you can go to the next one. Um, so this, we have two main areas for the toddlers and babies to play at. This is the toddler's area, so they have, like, steps so they can work on, like, those skills. And also sliding, which is just fun. They have little cars and then, obviously, toys everywhere. And then the next one is the baby play area. So it's a caged-in area, not much to do. And so there's some cute babies. And then the one in the middle on the bottom is one of our boys learning how to walk. So the Tanti's working with him there. Okay, you can go to the next one. And so the little boy on the second left picture up top is the little boy I held on the swing. And now he's swinging on his own. So every day, or at least most days, they try to get the Tanti's to take the kids out to play outside. So they get to just run around, swing, play in dirt, be kids. Um, okay, you can go to the next one. So while I was there, I actually got to witness an adoption by a Burkina Bay family, which Sheltering Wings is 17 years old, and it's only happened twice by a Burkina Bay family. So just that experience and being able to see that was just magnificent. So the mother, which is the one holding her on the left side, um, her name is Rosalie, and her, she, the mother had never met her before. And I was in there for the meeting when we were explaining everything about her. And as we're explaining, like, Rosalie's personality, what she looks like, the mom just starts bawling. And it's like, I love her so much. And this woman has never met her. In African culture, you don't cry. So, like, my heart is just, like, I don't even know, going everywhere. <laughs> and so it was just awesome to see a family welcome her in like their own. They had never met her before. And then the little boy in the middle, he went back to his family um, so a lot of our kids are either going to be up for adoption or they're going back to their families. So our goal is if they can stay in an African family, we want that. Um, so a lot of their stories is like their mom died and couldn't provide milk and it's too expensive to buy formula. So we take them in until they're weaned off the milk and like walking and stuff. And 
his story, um, he had a family member who tried to kill him. Um, and so they moved, and they were like, we want him back. We're safe. It's safe now. Like, we want him. And so that was just cool to see him go back to his family. And then the little girl on the right was there the last time I was there, the weakest baby I've ever held. She was almost a year old, couldn't hold up her head. You picked her up, she just felt like a wet noodle. And she is now walking, talking, laughing, running. Like, so that was just really cool for me personally to see. And that lady holding her is her grandmother. And every time she was with her, just had a smile on her face staring at Ainata. And so that was just awesome. So those are just some of the cool experiences I got to see. We can go to the next one. Okay, and this is Ernest. He is our orphanage manager. Um, he is awesome. Like, all of his jobs, it's insane. I don't even know how he does it. Um, but he is in charge of the, like, sponsorship program for our kids in the orphanage, as well as adoption. So he's the one who goes to the courthouse, goes to the police offices. And he travels all the time to the Capitol. And he is just such a team player. He's so awesome. Um, so I actually asked to go into his courtyard so that I could understand African culture more. And he thanked me for coming into his house. And was like, I'm sorry, we don't have a gift for you or anything like that. And I was like, no, I really don't need one. Like, just being around you is awesome. And so I learned so much just from that experience. And he speaks English amazingly well. So he was one of our translators. Okay, you can go to the next one. Okay, so like probably two months before I left, I started doing art class with the women at our widow center. And that was crazy awesome because like we painted the first time. None of the women in there, some of them like from the ages of 23 to like 50 something, never painted in their entire lives. And they did it with a smile on their face. Like it was amazing to see and just the way that they were willing, they kept asking me every day, when are we doing art class again? And the hearts that those women just have are awesome. So now we're gonna go through some slides about the Women's Center. Okay, so first of all, this is Daniel. Right now he is in charge of, he's our translator. The Kim is in the picture on the right in the middle. Um, she is actually running the Women's Center right now and trying to train in Burkina Bay, but Daniel is her translator and helping her through all of this, and he's just awesome, and he is actually getting married to a lady from the United States, so unfortunately he will be leaving soon. So some of the things our Women's Center does is soap making, bread making, and bracelet making. So all of these skills we want to teach them so that when they graduate from it, they can have skills that they can go out into the villages and live on their own and produce money for their family. So it's just awesome to see them learn how to do all these different things. And then we can go to the next one. So sewing, they're sewing and weaving, and these ladies pick which one they want to do, and then they study that. So sewing, that's their sewing machines and their irons, and it's just a lot different than here. Um, but they do an awesome job and their hearts are just wonderful, and they're all for it. And then you can go to the next one. So the next one is weaving. It's so impressive how they weave. Like, I never in a million years could do it. Um, so they have, like, this little foot pedal that they have to bring up and down, and then they, like, push this little, I don't even understand. I can't explain it to you. It's just complicated, and I don't even understand. <laughs> but 
So a lot of times it's just this long row of dyed um, like yarn string, I don't know, and they have to untangle it, which is the picture at the bottom. And I don't know about anyone else, but I don't have enough patience to do that. So <laughs> they are just willing to do anything. Okay, you can go to the next one. Um, so another thing that we do, we have a medical clinic on site, but we also have um, two full-time nurses and an assistant. And so we go out into villages and just like, a lot of them are for babies or like children. Um, so the bottom left photo, this boy has had four seizures since the time I was there. And each time he fell and hit the same spot in his head and he now has like a big permanent bump that's never gonna go away. And this kid has like a smile every time he sees me, runs up to me and greets me. He's so cute. Um, so the boy in the, like right next to it without a shirt on, that boy is severely malnourished. And um, you do see a lot of that over there. So we run a malnourishment clinic and that is where we teach the parents how to make food that is going to provide nutrition for them so they can become healthy again. And that is like a two month process of them just learning and then they'll do it on themselves and then we'll check up on them afterwards. And the little baby with the like white stuff on the head is ringworm, which is very, like you see it everywhere over there. So it's like parents don't think it's a big deal. Um, so it's just different medical wise. You see a lot of things that you would never see here but our nurses are awesome. The picture at the top is um, one of our babies getting an IV, which I held three babies getting IVs and don't wanna do it again. Um, so I told the nurses that whenever they needed me to watch the kids throughout the night, I would do it. So I did that three times and was exhausted the next morning. <laughs> um, but it's just awesome to be able to play a part in that. Okay, you can go to the next slide. Okay, so this next one is our sponsorship program. So we have about 800 kids outside of our school and orphanage being sponsored. And so this was a like just gift distribution. So if their sponsor sends like gifts, they provide like food or goats or clothing or something like that. Um, so my job was to take pictures of everything. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> um, and so it's just cool to see these kids coming from nothing and getting so much from their sponsors and being so like grateful for it. Okay, you can go to the next one. And we also do a widow sponsorship. And this is probably my favorite part of the entire trip. Um, these widows, they all have different stories. They all like, I don't know, they just amaze me every single day. So I always love to go on the widow distributions. And so here's, a, some of the widows, we have a lot more. Um, so the widow, third picture over on to the left, um, she is actually blind. She came in from the field by herself, no stick, no nothing, knew exactly how many steps she had to walk and then when to turn and how to get into her house. And like, I was just like, oh my gosh, that's crazy impressive. Um, and these women literally have nothing. Most of them have lost their families, um, come from like, horrible backgrounds, and this is a picture of them thanking God for getting, for providing for them, and I just loved being able to photograph these because it just shows their hearts, like they come from nothing, and they still trust in the Lord. They've lost everything. They still trust in the Lord, so this verse, I just felt like perfectly matched it, so with my mouth, 
I will greatly exalt the Lord. In the great throng of worshipers, I will praise him, for he stands at the right hand of the needy to save their lives from those who would condemn them. Psalms 109, 30 through 31. That verse just fit it perfectly, and I couldn't not put it on there. Um, so you can go to the next one. So this is Yvonne's. He is actually in charge of the widow distribution, and he does an awesome job translating and just running it. And this is this cute little family with this adorable little daughter that was born while I was there. So I got to hold her like seven hours after she was born because <laughs> the mom was home. So you can go to the next slide. Yvonne's is also in charge of Tom's shoe distributions. And they hand out about 50 pairs of shoes, 50,000 pairs of shoes a year. And so we go into schools um, usually every six months, and then we go into villages every year. So these are all at a school. This is actually at our school. So the little chart thing that you see, that's how you size their feet. And then where they're sitting, you try the shoes on, and then they get shoes, and they're happy about it. Um, you can go to the next one. So this is village ones, and village ones are a lot more people. This one, the bottom one, probably had about 1,000 children there, and so we handed out that many shoes. And like a lot of them come up with either broken shoes or no shoes at all. So it's just awesome to be able to see that we are giving them so much. Okay, you can go to the next one. Okay, so this is Pastor Valentin. He is awesome. Um, this is his little family, and they're actually expecting a new baby. So that's exciting. And Pastor runs the church and also evangelisms. So this next slide, I believe, is a video of church of them worshiping. Well, I don't know where the sound is. Oh, there we go. So church is very loud, but they insist on having, like, microphones and everything like that. Don't know why. They don't need them. But it's just, like, crazy awesome to see them worshiping because they have so much joy in worshiping. And they're not scared to, like, let it out. And um, so this is just one way they worship is by dancing. And so this was, like, a major worship one. They went up front, made a circle, danced. Everyone with the instruments was in the middle. And I actually joined in a few times and tried to learn how to dance. I'm still not very good, but I tried. <laughs> okay, you can go to the next one. Um, the next slide is of the evangelisms. I went on one. That was enough for me. Um, they play, like, the Jesus film and just different films like that and in different villages that have, like, nothing. And so Pastor Valentin is in charge of these. He goes out, I don't know how many times a week, like, three or four, and sometimes doesn't get home until, like, two in the morning or three. And he loves doing it. It's awesome to see. They always have, like, an altar call at the end. And when I went to this one, I think there was about probably 40 kids and adults that came up to accept Christ. That was just personally awesome to see, and pastor asked me if I wanted to share, so I actually got to share at this evangelism, and that was just, like, really awesome personally for me, and so evangelisms are wonderful, but I don't ever need to go on one again, <laughs> um, so you can go to the next slide. So this is Cabo. Um, the guy on the right is a shield. He is actually running Cabo right now. We 
should be getting cows out there soon. Cabo is um, a site that we want to bring in students that are like engineering students or something like that, planting students. Um, so we actually created huts for them to be able to stay in. We can house 20 students at a time. They have their own cook. Um, so I think it's just going to be awesome. It's just going to flour flourish. And I think God is definitely going to provide for that. So you can go to the next one. Okay, so I posted this on the Facebook page. But um, the gift you guys gave me, I really wanted to use it towards something that God was calling me to use it towards. So I was praying, and it was like coming to the end of my trip, and I'm like, okay, God, what do you want me to put it towards? And one of the girls came up to me and asked me for a Bible. I was like, okay. And I noticed like at Bible studies, they do Bible studies every Tuesday night. I noticed at Bible study that a lot of them didn't have Bibles or theirs was falling apart. And the Women's Center don't have any Bibles either. So because of your gift, I was able to purchase like over 50 Bibles for the kids in our orphanage, some teachers at our women's center, and like some kids just from the street came in and asked me for a Bible, so I did that too. So I just want to thank you guys for that, and I believe we are on our last slide, and it is a video. So I definitely wanted to thank you, but obviously in a cuter way than I can up here. Um, so thank you for praying for me and as well as the orphanage and just everything I was doing, especially when I was sick and feeling hopeless and just ready to come home. Um, I literally felt your prayers being with me. And just I can't thank you guys enough. So, yep, that was my trip. Very good. Yes, that was awesome presentation, too. Way to go, Taylor. So if you have any questions, maybe you can look her up later. I'm sure there's a lot more. In about seven months you were there? Yeah. It seemed like you were sick every other day. Like Remember that. how we were praying all the time for her? Thank you, Taylor. Bless you. All right, let's just stand one more time as we go before the Lord. I'm going to ask Adam if he would take us before the Lord and we can get through this morning's message. Compelling us, Lord Jesus, commissioning us, Lord Jesus, that you will have your way in this place. 
against the enemy. We bind him in Jesus' name from interfering with our thoughts and our ability, Lord, to commit to the word this morning. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All right, I want you to understand something this morning that you are on the enemy's list, okay? Uh, Those of you who are truly saved, uh, born again, crossed over from darkness to light, you now enter a list of the enemy and one of his biggest uh, tools that he tries to... uh, throw on us as he tries to get us confused, okay? And we live in a day and age where there is so much confusion that without the ability to discern, you're going to be a prey. You're going to to fall for anything, anything that kind of looks pretty good and pretty nice. and, And this discernment can only come from the Word of God. This is supernatural. What we do is supernatural. I'm about to give you the supernatural Word of God. It, we call it the Bible, but it's a book that is alive. It's a book that's come from God, and it speaks to our spirit. And so this is a supernatural thing, and there is an enemy. And he comes along, and he's constantly trying to deceive us, constantly. And if you permit yourself to be deceived, you actually can miss the ultimate goal, which is heaven. So you better sit up straight and uh, get your face in the Word of God because it is what's going to keep you on that straight and narrow. The deception that is out there is too much for us. We can't. you got to be kidding me. Remember the Bible says that the enemy is more subtle than anything out there? You're no match for the enemy. You're none whatsoever. You will be tricked and deceived. In fact, look at Second Thessalonians as we get into this. Verse 9 even says this. Even him, now this is all talking about the Antichrist and his whole group of guys, but look what it says here. Whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Signs and lying wonders. Now the American church freaks out for signs and wonders. They'll follow signs and wonders way more than they'll follow the word of God. Okay, that is a great deception of the enemy. And you cannot fall for this. So I'm just showing you the Word of God. There's going to be signs and lying wonders. Not only is there going to be, there has been. Okay. Now look what it says in Revelations 13, 13. And he that doeth great wonders, so he maketh fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. Now look, you'd be saying, man, that has to be God. Well, this is not. It's not God. He doth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which hath the wounded by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that he that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. All right? So in other words, listen. If someone has spiritual power, signs, and wonders, usually in America church, you're in. You're godly. That's not true. You've got to have discernment from where this is coming from. Now listen to me. 
I'm so hungry for a move of God, especially in this nation of ours. It's what we've been saying every Wednesday night, right? Without a true revival of the Word of God, our nation's done. I mean, there's not a president, not an administration, not any kind of new something that's going to change this nation and the heart of this nation. But I'm so hungry for the Word of God that I do not trust myself. Not at all. Put no trust in me. I put it in the Word of Almighty God. Because I'm so hungry, I think I'm probably quick to be deceived or tricked. And the natural is what I want. Philippians 3.3 says this, For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. So what I'm saying, I don't have any confidence in my face. You'll be going, you're a pastor. Now I'm scriptural. You don't want me to have confidence in my flesh. Stuff starts coming down the road and has been and all these various things that go around. You want my opinion, just what I think? Psalms 138.2 says, I will worship toward the holy temple. Praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified the word above all thy name. The word of God. It's not a pain in the neck to read. For crying out loud. It's the very tool that's going to keep you, that have that ability to discern. And our nation doesn't have it. And sadly, the church doesn't have it. Hardly at all. So we're going to look at the sermon as much time as I have left. Proverbs 4 says this, Hear, ye children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. That's what I'm doing this morning. You can say, well, that's kind of a proud statement. No, I'm just reading what God said. God says, you do this, you're going to get good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender, only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thy heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Retain my words. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Don't backslide. Don't back off from the words. Don't get less involved. Don't get less reading. Six says, forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get it. And with all thy getting, get understanding. That's the word of God penned by the Spirit of God through a man giving you instruction and in what to do and what to get. And with all your getting, with all your umph, with all your ability, get it, get understanding. Now, you look up the word understanding and it means discernment. The power of discerning. The power or sense by which you distinguish one thing from another as true or false. You have to do this. You have to do it right now with me. You should be plumbing me. You can't go, oh, that's Pastor Joe. He's always right. I've known him. You better not. So this is what discernment is. Ezekiel forty four twenty three, And they shall teach my people the difference 
between the holy and profane. Cause them, cause you, cause you, make you, force you to discern between the unclean and the clean. Why? Because I'm not always going to be there. This is going to be between you and God. The various tricks and the various schemes that the enemy tries to trip you up with or get you to swallow. To pull you away from the truth. The definition of discern is having power to discern, capable of seeing. means to be refined, knowing, and judging. Judging, you're supposed to. means a sharp-sighted, penetrating understanding. You know what? It might look right, smell right, but there's something not right. That's discerning. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days... Now look, if you've been coming at all Wednesday, or if you ever watch the news ever, you've got to start figuring out we are in the last days. And God says, perilous times. And aren't they? Whoever thought our nation would be what it's become. The uh, uh, video song during the offering was in 1995. It's more real now than it was when it came out. In this country. So he says, in the last days, perilous times. Perilous means hard to bear. It is. It's hard to bear what's happening to our country. And to the people, you just shake your head and scratch your head at them. What? It means troublesome, dangerous, hard to take. No, what Paul's talking about here, he's talking about the wickedness and depraved ways of men. How bad men are going to get. When the ladies did that march on D.C., which I really didn't get involved in and see too much of it, but others that were there and even wrote about it were stunned at what pictures were on their shirts and what they held up. The filth from ladies. Second Timothy 3, 2 through 8 says this, New King James. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. This is where we live. Verse 5 says, having a form of godliness, a form of church, a form of religion. Could be me now. Bible, church, cross behind me. Saying some Christian stuff. A form. A form of godliness, but denying its power, God says, from such people, turn away from them. Get away from them. You have to discern that. Amen. These are people that resist the truth. 1 Timothy 4.1. This is the time that you're living in. This is the time you're raising children in. This is the time you're trying to live and make out a living. It's now. It's you. You dismiss this. How are you going to get help? Who's going to help you? One Timothy four one says, "Now the Spirit expressly or clearly says that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, 
You've got to be in the faith to depart from the faith. He's talking about you and me. Those who used to walk with God and believe God and trust God and sit on the first pew. Those who would sing for Him, play for Him. They're gone. Because something will get in, something will pull them away. So the Spirit of God is speaking clearly to you today. Some will depart, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And that means getting away from the Word of God. Are not getting this in you. The psalmist says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against you. It's not, well, you know, Grandma believed. No, it's what this is in you now. Two Timothy three thirteen says this: evil men and imposters. That could be me. Will grow worse and worse, not better and better. Heaven is not coming to earth. I'm going to heaven. Earth is getting worse. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. This word evil men just refers to the obvious. Open enemies of Jesus. Out and out evil. The tricky one is the imposters. Imposters refers to those who look fine. And many even think they are fine. They seem to be right. They dress right. He's got a suit. He's preaching. But they're actually forces against the followers of Christ. Imposters. Wheat and tares. Sheep and goat. Imposters. Matthew tells us, beware of false prophets. How do you know I'm not a false prophet? How do you know two weeks ago I didn't make a deal with the devil? And you just keep coming. That's Pastor Joe. He's been here longer than any of us. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. So the Lord tells us to beware. And at the end times and all this deception and stuff that's going on. You must beware in order to combat this situation. You see, I'm going to give account of everything I have said and done. And for all the sheep that claim to come here. However, that's going to work in heaven. Even if I choose not to warn you because it's uncomfortable. I'm going to have to give account of that. How on earth could I put you in that position, fill you with the Spirit of God, give you the Word of God, give you those sheep, and you didn't tell them? That too, I'm going to have to give account to Evil hides. It hides. It's sneaky. It comes to you in sheep's clothing. The Bible tells us that wisdom calls out to us. Wisdom. The Word of God, the Lord Himself. Proverbs one twenty says what? Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. Wisdom. 
Proverbs 8, 1 says this, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? No one's talking about wisdom. It's not talking about the ability to make a rocket and go fly to the moon and back. The wisdom it's talking about is supernatural spiritual wisdom. Godly wisdom. How to escape the terrors and the hordes of hell. And make it to heaven. Doth not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of high places by the way in the places of the paths. She cries at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in, at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. It's, it's now. It's crying now. At least to this group and here, this church, right now. But listen to this. Listen. But apparently so does folly cry. Cries out. Proverbs 9 says this, A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knoweth nothing. For she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city to call passengers who go right on their way. Come in. Pleasure. Party. Drinks for everybody. Wisdom's crying out. Christ is coming. Folly's crying out. Party. Come on. They're both crying out. You have to discern. Their methods of communication are similar. They sit in public places shouting their advice to all who walk by, all who listen. Some of you here now think this is foolish. What the heck am I here for? This brings up even that movie Shack. Notice it's a two-sided coin. I know it's Supposed to be Christian fiction. I understand that. And I know it's a fuzzy, good-feeling movie. And we want to escape the hardness and filth of this world. And I also know that it sold 20 million books. Listen, and I know that people are hungry for God. That's what that tells me. That they're hungry for it. 20 million books. But let's look at it briefly and plummet with the word of Almighty God. According to the author Young, justice and love are at odds and cannot be reconciled. His reasons that God will never judge people of their sins because he's limited by his love. Never judge them of their sins. Never will he enact eternal judgment upon those who reject him or send anyone to torment in hell. Are you discerning that? Did you plumb that? You better. You have to. Exodus 34, 6 says this, New King James. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. All that's true. The rest says, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Thank you, Lord. But by no means clearing the guilty. No, not all were going to heaven. By no means clearing the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. No, sir. 
I wish we all were. But we're not. If you go opposite of the Word of God, if you die in your sins, if you make an open shame of what the Son of God went through, there's no way you're entering heaven. There's another underlying theme in the movie that doesn't square with the Word of God. It's the idea of God forgives all of humanity, regardless of whether or not they repent and believe in the redeeming work of Jesus. Regardless. God the Father's Son was crushed because of your sin. And now it doesn't matter. My heart breaks for the 20 million that are truly longing and hungering and wanting something and they don't know what it is. Could it be the shack? It's an idea rooted in universalism. It's been around forever. The belief that all roads lead to God. I am called upon throughout the years to do all kinds of funerals. Some dear saints that I know and had a part of in their lives. Lots of people have no clue about them. Come from a place where no church, no pastor, nothing involved. I never go up there and preach that person in heaven. I preach Christ to the family. I could not. I would do an injustice to what my Lord went through to redeem people. It's an idea rooted in that universalism. All roads lead to God. Now, Jesus walks with all people in different journeys to God, whether they call Him Jesus, Buddha, or Allah. It's not true. In fact, as Young, the author, asserts that there's no need for faith or reconciliation with God because all people will make it to heaven. The Bible is very clear that only those who call in the name of Jesus will be saved. Like it or not. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Amen. Plumb line. Acts 4.12. Universalism is dangerous and malicious. It's a lie. It's just another trick that leads people to think that it doesn't matter what you believe. You believe whatever you want. Sin is not really a problem, and there's really no need for a Savior because we all make it. It's an underlying theme to that. Universalism singly handed destroyed Christianity in much of Europe. You've been coming here on Wednesday? You can see that now. Much of Europe. Universalism. All roads lead. Look at Europe. The United States is not far behind Europe. That's what's happening. Philippians 1.9 says, In this I pray that your love may still, that you may abound still more and more in the knowledge and all discernment. Your ability to discern reflects right on the ability of the amount of word you have in you. The American church 
can't discern very good. We carry them. We have big screens filled up with them, but cannot take the place of putting it in here, in the heart. Even when you are totally, all your senses are tricked and deceived and you want to move of God so bad, but something inside you is going, it's that warning. You don't have that in you. It's not there. Listen, Proverbs 15, 21 says, folly, folly. We're talking about your eternal soul. Folly is joy to him who is destitute of discernment. But a man of understanding walks uprightly. That's why God says, with all thy getting, get it. Get it. Because all through your day, all through your life, you're making decisions. I mean, it's been a while. What, what's Isaac? Ten? So Addison comes along. She's two. So eight years. Isaac's already kind of grown past all. Now we're watching a little baby, a little this and that. We get wore out. Let's, see, well, let's try a couple of cartoons. And it's not long. We're like, ooh. I don't even want Addison watching Spongebob. All they do is scream at each other. It's like discernment. Amos 7 says this, Thus he showed me, and behold, the Lord stood upon a wall made by a plumb line with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said unto me, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, a plumb line. Then said the Lord, Behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. This is it. This is the plumb line. I can't hand people that will go and see stuff and, and say, Oh, we just glean out the truth. Or we just glean out the bad or spit out the bones or whatever that dumb thing they say. Well, what about the 20 million that think it's meat? And what about the, all the unknowns that are watching you that you have no clue? And they take it as a positive if you. So what's our answer? Well, I think you already know it. Ecclesiastes 8.5 simply says, Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil, and a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. A wise man, and only wise because of the wisdom, you invite Christ and the Word, because that's His name, in you, you become wise because of the Word. Not because you're just, what, 2 plus 2 is 4, 4 plus 4. That's the worldly's junk. That word discerneth means to recognize, to perceive, to know. You can know. You can know. And I know you might all want those cozy, little sweet, wonderful, can't we just all go to heaven? Moments. But I can't let that go in this church. Because while maybe you, you will get into heaven, I'll be in the woodshed. Why didn't you tell them?
Hebrews 5.14 says, Strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Exercise. Do your exercises. One, two, three, four, five. So when your 15-year-old sweet-looking granddaughter maybe goes to a something like that and gets a little confused, you have the ability to say, now, Addison, sit down and listen to Pap. Let me show you some things. Oh, Pap, you're just old. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. New Living Translation, verse 14 again, says, Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. These Christians demonstrate immaturity. They're immature by both their lack of discernment between good and evil. The mature Christian is unshakable. The Word of God... Makes you like that tree planted by the water. Deep roots. Everything's dry. Everything's dying. But your leaves are still green. And you're still giving out good godly advice. Giving shade to those who are weary. Because the word is in you. Not because you're something. You're nothing. The ability to discern is absolutely critical. It's a critical measure of spiritual maturity. And in these last days there are more Filthy spirits being let loose, more deceiving spirits, more trickery than ever before. We have churches buying out theaters to go see that. Now, if we did that here, you would have to say, Pastor absolutely believes this and loves this. This is good. I'm eating it. Ezekiel 44, 23 says this, And they shall teach my people the difference. That's what we're doing today. Like it or not. Breaking your bubble or not. None of that matters. All that matters is that you enter heaven. All that matters is you walk in, you walk in, I go, and scratch that one off. That's probably not going to go on, but that's what I think. When a dear saints die in this church, I usually tell Ruth, scratch it off, another one made it. Not another one died. There is some of that, but another one made it. That's what was given to our care. Ruth made it. Second Corinthians eleven thirteen. For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Those are the ones that are going to bust you. Those are the ones that are going to trick you, trip you up. But God warns us, even verse 14 says, No marvel, no big thing, for Satan himself transformed into an angel of light. Now look, don't miss. You're not stomping shack to death, shack, shack. No, I'm talking about the principle behind it. And how the church gets the world 20 million. I can understand them running to it. Isaiah 14, 12 says, How are you fallen from heaven, O shining star? 
He wasn't some pitchforth, fire-breathing, sulfur-smelling, cussing, spitting, tattoo-wearing. He was a shining star. How art you fallen, O shining star, son of the morning? You have been thrown down to the earth, who, you who destroyed the nations of the world. Evil comes disguised as good, so it could be misled. What tripped up Eve? The evil? The evil on the tree? Did she go, ooh, pornography and drugs and booze and alcohol and all kind of stuff? I like that fruit. What was it? What did she see? What did she look at? She saw, man, that, that was the good side. Forgetting the plumb line that God said what? Don't eat. When the plumb line was screaming, wisdom, get wisdom, with all thy understanding, with all thy getting. She's going, it was the good. And when woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that was pleasant to the eyes, desired to make one wise, she took. Evil always disguises It's truth. It's true nature. So it can deceive and be misled, misleading to people. But the word of God, sharper than a two-edged sword, slushes right through all deception. That's why the enemy doesn't want any of you to read this. Because then you would know. That's the last thing he wants, is for you to know. All his tricks. You know what? I was sleeping nice like a baby last night till about 2.30. In my dream or spirit, I don't know where else. I've told you that stuff before. In that sense, you feel like you're unconscious or you're sleeping or something. I'm going, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, inside of me. And then I woke up. And I just laid there for a while. And it's true, I went like this. Ruth? It's true. And then a few minutes later, I did. Ripped off my covers. And I went, in the name of Jesus. You know what I mean? I I went from shaking to scared to starting, wait a minute. It's, It's a spiritual thing. Wasn't a bad pizza, a bad nightmare. You have power over the enemy. One of the greatest tools God has given us because he spins us. And we don't know what's right, wrong, up, down, black, gray, blue, yellow until we look at this. And God says, unless you repent. When God lines it up and lays it out the word of God, he plums you with the word And you must plumb everything that comes your way from now until the Lord says, enter my good and faithful servant. Oh, praise God. Then you're in. Then you're safe. But there's a lot of lies, a lot of deception. And the only way, you see, 
I don't have as much strength as I used to have. And I don't want to do anything about it either. (laughs) I don't feel like lifting a weight anymore. I don't want to pump iron. I don't want to eat cardboard for food and drink powdered soybean. I don't want to. So if you've noticed, uh, it haven't changed. It's the way it is, I suppose. Well, it's the same in the spiritual. If you don't, say, wait a minute. Reading and praying and saying, God, please. I tell God all the time, Lord, I don't trust myself. I don't trust me, Lord. I need signs as big as I-77 south. Then I know I'm going south, Lord. I am not going to trust myself. I mean, how many times you get spun around? I mean, chaplain of the Perry Township Volunteer Fire Company. Uh, what's that new building? Where's Johnny at? Is he here still? I saw him. Where do we go? We walked into that big building that built by McDonald's. Freightliner. Did you ever see that? Well, they took us in there in case of a fire. They wanted you to know where the exits were. They wanted you to know where they kept all this flammable stuff. I mean, we're going up things and down metal like little mice going through little things like that. And then there's, I I tap someone. If this place is full of black smoke or chemical breathing stuff, how in the heck am I going to get out of here? He went, head north. And I went, yeah, great. Where's north? <laughs> Do you understand? That, that's what this is all about. You've got to know the word of God. Because then when the chemicals and the bellowing and the smoke and the pressure and the fear and your life's on the line, you better know where north is. And there's no time for me to go, my Bible. Lord, where was that? There's no time for that. That's why God says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Comes from God. That book comes from God for you so you can make it. So you can discern. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof. If that's needed, say, I want to do that again. For correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, or equipped unto all good works. Thoroughly, thoroughly furnished means painstakingly, completely. You must be careful what you believe and read and watch. Plumb it. Plumb it. Let's stand. Can I have my band back, please? I want to end differently. I'm overwhelmed with prayer requests. Getting tired of hearing all the horrible things that people have to go through, that Satan is doing to our friends and loved ones. So as they play something, whatever, 
I want all of you who are willing to call upon Lord for another four or five minutes or one song, whatever it takes, for those who are going through these horrible situations. Poor Taylor Grace just plowed into by a truck. Next thing you know, almost dead in the hospital for seven, eight months. Things that we hear. Just heard the other day, Ruthie was praying for one in the morning. I think it was a friend of Maria's. I can't remember if it's a relative or a friend or somebody. Sinus cancer. We're like, Lord, what on earth? You've got to move, God. All our saints that are dealing with various situations. Jason, Janetta, finally had enough strength to be with us today. Roger, Carson. So I'm looking for saints. There's no hype. No, not, no hype whatsoever. Just looking for people who will come and stand here and call upon God as we sing. And in your own way and in your own words, you ask God to heal these people. We come corporately as one and stand and plead, God, we need you to bear your holy arm again. We need you to move in the power and the might that we know you can, God. That you would touch these people, Lord. People who are so far down in depression and bitterness, they're lost. There's nothing you can, you can't get them back. But God can. Physical things. So that's who I'm looking for to come and stand here this morning. And I'm looking for you to call out to God. Do we have any that will come? Corporately, take this seriously. Not a chat to your neighbor time. People all around you are in need. We're going to worship, and then we're going to pray. You decide to come later, come. If you can't walk that far, come and sit in the front pew. Say, Lord, I'm coming to pray for my brothers and my sisters, my friends, my neighbors. Those I don't even know that are going through such horrible things. We want to stop this curse of cancer. When this life is
going to go before the Lord and pray. Now I can't remember everybody, but the Lord does. Remember Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me. And that's what we're doing. This is scriptural. We're plumbing ourselves. We're lining up. Continue to pray for Kathy Musgrave, Jason Revenal, Janetta, Jeff Smith. You remember these. The baby that Jeanette Mall has been burdened with and praying for. Taylor Grace that was in that accident. A young per- a lady just today was told, I think her name's Amy. Another one by the name of Patty, dealing with cancer. The friend that Maria was uh, put on Facebook, cancer in the sinuses. Susan Dick, my very own Dan Roberts. All these people are going through horrible trials, terrible situations. At least we can call upon God for them and all the rest that I can't remember. So as I pray, please pray. Don't stand there and stare. Get a hold of God. So, Lord, we've got to have your strong arm once again, Lord. We need the healing virtue of Almighty God to once again flow. Lord, we need you to rise up and touch people. Lord, we know that they don't deserve to be healed. But, Lord, we don't even deserve to be saved, yet you saved us. So, God, we're laying our hands upon these people by faith. All these dear ones, Lord, who are loved, who have been in accidents or diseases from a fallen world. Lord God, we ask that you would move by your power and your might. That you would touch them, you would heal them, you would deliver them. And let everyone know, God, everyone know that it was the hand of God touched them. It was your mercy, Lord, that you are alive and well. Lord God, and you are on the throne. And you can touch these people, raise them out of their affliction. We curse cancer in the name of the Lord Jesus. We ask, oh God, that your holy arm would send the fire of Almighty God to all these saints, Lord, that are dealing with this, and you would purge their body from this filth, oh God. For these babies, Lord, that maybe are too young to have an idea of Almighty God, we pray that they too would know that they would feel the arms of Almighty God holding them, loving them, rocking them, speaking to them, Lord Jesus, that you would bring life and vitality and strength back to all these, Lord. We pray, God, we know we live in a fallen world, Lord, but we also know we don't have to take this stuff lying down. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you bring health to new hope. Lord, we ask that you bring the prosperity of knowing you and loving you. We pray that you put a hunger in our hearts to know the word of God. Lord, that that gifting and that discerning will keep us on the straight and on the narrow, Lord. Lord, you and you alone make the difference.
Finally, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word. Plumbing yourself with the Lord Jesus. His Word. Plumb yourself. Please don't be a fool. If you find yourself out of plumb, correct yourself. Let the Word of God correct you. James Henderson. James Dismiss us, please.